All right, welcome to the first of its kind, world-changing manufacturers network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with Lisa and the manufacturers network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa. Hey, it's Lisa Ryan. Welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. I'm excited to introduce you today to our guest, Lisa Anderson. Lisa provides expertise and advice on maximizing the customer experience and enabling profitable, scalable, dramatic business growth. She's worked in industries as diverse as aerospace and defense, building and industrial products, food and beverage, consumer products, and healthcare products. Prior to founding LMA Consulting Group, she was the Vice President of Operations at Paperpack. Her tenure included transitions and promotions through the company's transformation from a $100 million family-owned business through a merger and acquisition of three businesses combined into one $350 million global company. This was followed by a management leveraged buyout in combination with an investment banking group. So that sounds like quite the ride. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And it was definitely a great experience. <laughs> so share with us a little bit about your background, including more of the details of what you did with Paperpack. I've been consulting now for 15 years, but prior to that, I uh, actually started my career at Coca-Cola and did uh, planning and distribution planning and went to a plastic injection molder and then and then on to Paperpack. At Paperpack, you're right, it was quite the ride. It was quite the experience. Uh, we uh, grew the core business and then bought a division of P&G and bought another smaller entrepreneurial company similar to us. And so uh, that was quite the interesting challenge to merge cultures, people, processes, and systems uh, successfully to and products to uh, grow the business and um, increase the value of the business. So that was, uh, it was great experience that I utilize in consulting today. And even with all of those changes and everything that you went through in your history prior to today, the last year has been, shall we say, rather interesting in manufacturing. So how are you uh, working with all of these changing conditions that are happening right now in the manufacturing marketplace? Never been busier. Current clients absolutely are finding that their demand is volatile, to say the least. Uh, you know, it depends on who their customers are and actually the importance of the customer's customer is shining through with coronavirus because, you know, a food manufacturer could be, their customer's customer could be a Costco, as an example, which, you know, generally speaking, has been increasing because people are still shopping for food. On the other hand, the customer's customer could be Starbucks, and that, you know, really took a nosedive when a lot of Starbucks closed down, and in some areas of the country, only drive-throughs are open. It very much led to volatility in demand, which meant that uh, we had to focus extra efforts on understanding changing customer behaviors and getting a um, better handle on our demand so that we could know what to manufacture, how to uh, set up our supply chain to be successful. 
Yeah, and that's one of the things that I've been hearing from a lot of the people that I've had as guests on the show is the thing that's keeping them up at night is the supply chain because you just don't know one day to the next. So what are you seeing as far as what's going on in manufacturing, what's going on in the supply chain? That's a great question. And what I'm seeing is, is that manufacturers that were already innovating and uh, understood the importance of having a diversified supply chain. So that, that doesn't mean that they have to have 10 suppliers for every material or anything, but it does mean we have to be use uncommon common sense and uh, be thinking strategically ahead. So for example, when I was a vice president of operations, we had one of our critical materials uh, we purchased from Brazil. Plenty of things that can go wrong uh, in getting product from Brazil into the United States. <laughs> so all along, we had a backup source of supply that was in the United States on the East Coast. Now, we didn't just establish a backup supply that, you know, in case something went wrong, we went to them. Instead, we had 20% of our volume going through the backup source of supply all along so that they were working with us. They knew they could count on us for some volume. They knew they were the backup supply, but they were an important backup supply, which did not make our private equity investors happy because they would have preferred that we didn't we didn't have to spend as much money on this key raw material. Luckily, they uh, won that battle, if you will, and kept utilizing them because, of course, somewhere along the line, we had issues with ports, I think it was, or the, the transportation challenges. There's plenty of uh, obstacles. And our backup source of supply ramped up quickly, and we were successful. So the clients that were doing that sort of thing already are better off. With that said, there's... Uh, no time like now to start and rethink what you're doing in your in your supply chain. And that's just one example. The other thing is folks had supply, let's say you had two places within Asia. Well, that's not helpful. So, you know, some of our clients had that example. And even if they had China and India, let's say, well, they both experienced issues around the same time and it still created challenges. The same thing could be true in the United States. Uh, when I was in that role again, uh, everything under the sun happened, of course, when I was in that role. So we, there was a, a hurricane, you know, these things happen. And in North Carolina, you know, our plant was luckily, you know, it was a PNG plant. So they, they planned it uh, strategically on a hill, which was definitely helpful because the rest of the town was underwater practically. Uh, with that said, we weren't, but you know, of course we couldn't do anything for several weeks and our suppliers were affected. You know, we had to have backup sources supply and sources of production and, you know, the ability to be agile. The issues could happen no matter where you are. However, the closer you are to your uh, customer, the more likely you can respond quickly. What are some of the other innovations? You said companies that are already innovative are the ones that are faring better. So what do some of those innovations look like? And if somebody hasn't necessarily been that innovative to this point, what would be a good area for them to start? That's absolutely true. So it could be something simple, like getting a better handle on customer, changing customer if, uh, requirements and changing customer patterns. And that could be as simple as talking to your customers and collaborating with customers on, you know, 
how can we impact our customers, 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 depends on how many lines you have in your future. But basically, how do we impact their product and service in a positive way? And so it could just be collaborating with your customer on innovating in terms of the service you're providing. So it could be that you customize a product on the fly, meaning like at the end of the process so that your customer can ask for a tweak to the product or a tweak to the service. Some of it's just about having the service. So that could be like figuring out what your customers customers need. Uh, so for example, let's say your end customer is a customer at Walmart, uh, which actually is the same situation of if your customer was Boeing, which surprisingly enough, really at the end in Walmart, you have a customer buying products so you can get a point of sale type data. And at Boeing, they're using the product to build a plane. Either way, if you can figure out what needs to go to all the Boeing branches, which there are fewer than there are Walmarts, but there are still several. So if you can figure out what needs to go to each Boeing, each Boeing uh, facility so that Boeing doesn't have to do it and they just have what they need when they need it and they don't have too much, that's a service that you're providing to Boeing. The same thing is true for Walmart, um, which is more expected, but basically for Walmart, same thing. If we, if we pro provide a product to every Walmart in the country and the distribution centers, it depends on what, you know, what you're doing and what you're supplying, then for them, that, that saves them a lot of hassle and they can focus on more um, activities that help them promote the products in the store, let's say. So that's those are some of the innovative products and services you could provide without you know, even having to redesign products or do anything significant. But when it does relate to the product, there's a lot of configured order options on products where you can say, you know, I'd like it in this package size or that package size or this uh, color or that color. And if you can put those closer to the customer's point, you know, point where you uh, serve the customer, then you can, your customer can change their mind or um, not, it's not really that they're changing their mind. They don't necessarily know what their customers are going to do. So they can, you know, have a more agile, flexible service so they can serve their customers better. So it's all about how do you find ways, at least in my mind, how do you find ways to serve your customers better in a more profitable way. So when you look at how do we do it in a more profitable way, then we go back into our manufacturing side and say, what can I produce these items to a certain point in the process and then just customize, you know, mass customization or customize on the fly, if you will. Uh, that's one option. And there, there's plenty more that we could talk about. Well, one of the things that is it's such an interesting way of looking at things is a lot of times people are only considering their customers. And the fact the, of just taking it that one step further to think about your customer's customer, it gives you that much better of an opportunity to come to an understanding as far as how you can better serve that customer so that they can serve their customer. And it just opens up not only a whole new conversation and way of looking at things, but it really, I believe, would set your business apart because nobody else is asking them that question. Well, tell right. us about your customers because they're so focused only on their customer. So I think that that would be something right off the bat as far as just what can you do today 
well, I'm going to sit down and look at my top three customers, my top five customers, and think about what's my customer's customer. Yep. And start exactly. to have that conversation. And it's absolutely shown through in the, during the coronavirus because the customer's customer reacted extremely differently than they have in the past. Historical patterns were blown up. Everything changed. So, uh, you know, if the customer's customer supported hospitality, they probably tanked. Uh, if they uh, supported PPE type of business, uh, they, you know, they obviously increased uh, dramatically. But that was true for many other less obvious industries. And how you service those customers and what kind of value you could provide. Like you said, you can differentiate yourself far easier and quicker in a way than even redesigning products. Not that you shouldn't be looking at that also, because if you think about it, consumers have changed the way they consume during this pandemic. And not everything that we did pre-pandemic is what we want to do post-pandemic. We may not even know, but we, we are going to evolve. And so are businesses. Understanding what new products they would need and new services, but we were talking about services pr prior to this. So what new products they'll need and or what tweaks to products they'll need in the future, given what's happening in the pandemic, we don't want to wait till it's done in order to figure that out. Uh, so somebody had to be first, like, for example, you know, Apple came out with the iPod. Well, even wasn't that wasn't new. So don't worry about creating something new because the iPod was really just a better um, you know, the, uh, what do they call those old the things? Sony right? Walkman. Yeah, there you go. The Sony Walkman. <laughs> totally aging it's, myself. <laughs> well, I, I used to use that too. So I was thinking, what the heck was the name? But the Sony Walkman, it, you know, wasn't even new, but it was new. No one knew they needed an iPod. What's really interesting about that is it wasn't something that was completely new. Um, so you just have to think about how can I make my customer's life better and what would they really want? And so now the iPod is like obsolete. So everyone right. uses their phone. <laughs> yeah. Well, and one of the things that really came out of the whole pandemic was it speeded up the technology. If it had not been for the pandemic, we would, we're, I believe we're probably light years ahead now just because we have been forced to adopt technology that may have taken months or years to be able to implement. So what, what is some of the technology that uh, companies should be looking for, looking at today? Absolutely true statement, because I've been involved in this region of the country, which is inland Southern California, where known in terms of advanced manufacturing and significant in distribution because of the Asian supply chain. And so they had been concerned for several years that we needed to do something to reskill and um, look at how do we, the changing conditions, because technology advances, we're going to automate warehouses, if you will, as well as uh, manufacturing facilities. And how would we keep up with changing conditions? Well, since the pandemic, that has been accelerated. You know, what was five years ago was is now happening now. <laughs> so that's like, to your point, first of all, that's really true. So what are some of the technologies? Well, one of them is quite boring, if you will, but very necessary. And that's, do you have a modern ERP system, which is the system, you know, that you use to take orders, ship, receive, produce, invoice, et cetera. These days, if you have a highly customized system, if you have a system that's not capable to scale with your growth, you are 
behind the rest of your competitors, undoubtedly, because the modern systems today have a lot of capabilities built into them that you can utilize uh, to scale your business successfully. So that's one. And they also integrate better to some of the technologies that I that I'm going to talk about, which is why I started with the system, because you, you can't build a house with just windows. You have to have foundation and some walls. So it would help to have a uh, foundation in your technology to start with. So with, with that said, you know, artificial intelligence is certainly gaining momentum. Uh, how does that apply? Well, for, for one, in the demand uh, forecasting, which we just talked about changing customer conditions, you know, the ability to apply artificial intelligence to find patterns where there are none is helpful. So that's one of the areas where artificial intelligence is coming into play. Similarly in like cash flow planning, which is absolutely critical, especially depending on your size company or your status, I, I guess. But certainly if you're looking at going into an area of growth, having cash to support that growth is important. So that, you know, it comes up in that area. It certainly comes up in the manufacturing floor. So when you look at, instead of doing preventative maintenance, how do I predict which maintenance, uh, which equipment or machinery uh, do I really need to be looking at uh, now, instead of just going to what is a preventative maintenance schedule, let's pinpoint where the where it's really gonna break down and fix it, you know, resolve that before it even breaks down. So that's, you know, one of the areas that a lot of the manufacturers especially the bigger ones have been doing all along. Uh, but that's, so that's like artificial intelligence, if you will, but there's plenty others. So automation, of course, a lot of folks are looking at robotics. Are robots good or robots bad? Well, robots are both. So, you know, actually, you know, I'm working with a food manufacturer that has, is quite, they, they've invested a lot in technology, but technology has its good points and its bad points because you can absolutely go faster and be more efficient. You don't have to worry about people standing next to each other with COVID and all sorts of advantages on the other hand, but you have really fast lines going by with like food bars in this case. And one thing goes wrong and the rest, you know, everything, you know, it's kind of that Lucy show. Everything could start flying off the line and, you know, like you get all sorts of issues and waste and all sorts of problems. So you have to, you know, bring the right skills in and you have to do it in a smart way. So it's not always, it's kind of like going faster is not always better if you don't keep your quality, et cetera. So anyway, robotics though, there's a lot of robots, cobots, there's a lot going on there. The Internet of Things certainly connecting machinery to other systems and related uh, parts is is uh, gaining momentum. Augmented reality and one of the things with the virtual world we, world we live in today is the experts may not be readily available to fly out and help you with your machinery equipment or just a common task that you have to do that you need an expert with. You can do a lot with uh, webinars and Zoom and those kinds of things when it comes to, you know, more of the, uh, the analysis, the planning, you know, the, the project side of things and, the, and even the ERP side of things. But when it comes to the machinery and equipment, it's helpful to show somebody what's going on. So you can start simple just by showing, videoing what's going on in the manufacturing facility and walking through, like I've done that with some clients just to lay out their processes, but you can go a step further. You know, there's uh, 3D uh, glasses and ways you can uh, collaborate with folks so that you can help somebody who's solving a problem on the line 
not being there in person. So there are technologies that support that type of activity. There's autonomous vehicles and all sorts of um, opportunities. So I think technology is also making labor costs less relevant. I mean, that's been happening anyway, uh, because if, you, if you're comparing to like China, let's say, the rates have been going up in China and there's so much extra cost added into the end-to-end supply chain when you think about inventory and IP and the risks and all these other things. But in addition to that, uh, technology has allowed us to produce faster, more efficiently, automate tasks, actually automating tasks. And one of my clients, they use a robot to... Uh, produced throughout the night. So the they need the skills to set the product up, but then if they can keep it on a certain product that they needed extra volume of, they can produce that through the night and then in the morning they can look at it. And that helped them keep up with customer demand as well. So there's there's a lot to be said for that. And it you know really requires very little labor. It's enabling folks to relook at their manufacturing and supply chain operations and reevaluate where should I source products? How should I set this up? Where should I be located? Those types of things. Well, and the other thing too, is that I've noticed in just in the last year, how much more easy technology is. It's much more intuitive than it's ever been before. It's much less scary than it's been before, where in the past, it might've been this whole overwhelming project to bring all of this technology into the plant. And now once you get it in, it simplifies your life probably to a greater extent than the pain of implementation as you would have had just a few years ago. Yeah, I think that's very true. And that reminds me of another aspect of the system that's gaining certainly in popularity is uh, e-commerce and B2B. So even like collaborating with customers with a portal, those kinds of things. But to your point, that has gotten far easier and far um, more implementable. And the philosophy has changed as well, largely. And so that's partly why some of the modern ERP systems and the appropriate partner is quite important. But if you can implement these technologies in more of a like strategic sprint or like a uh, in an agile fashion, um, which you don't have to worry about like learning something completely new, Agile is somewhat uncommon common sense as well, which really just means let's try the most critical piece and uh, start to implement there. And then we just start in a directional manner, if you will. And then we, uh, you know, iterate and uh, change as we go. But it means that you don't have to have everything perfect and spend, you know, months and months before you see any result. And then like something's gone wrong and you have to start all over again, (laughs) which is not the way to do it. So if you were to give your best piece of advice to people listening today, as far as taking a look at their business today, what is one thing that they could do to make a difference going forward? Well, so I would say the one thing that they can do is what you brought up earlier from my prior comments, and that is really look at changing customer conditions, changing customer requirements and how you can add value to that, uh, to your customers and your customers' customers and so on, because it will really take your business to a whole new level and more businesses succeed and not only succeed, but like pull away from the competition during 
times of turbulence, significant times of turbulence, which COVID would be one, the Great Depression is like another, than any other time. So it'll be the once in a lifetime opportunity, if you will, to really pull away from the competition by innovating, pulling all the resources to innovate, collaborate, look at your data, everything in the, everything in uh, above on your, looking at your customer. Now I would be remiss to say, none of that will be possible if you don't start with your team. And that's to make sure that you have the right people on your team, that you're empowering and engaging them, which really sounds easy and it is definitely not easy to accomplish. So you really need to be doing that and creating a culture of innovation. And uh, you have to start with your team or you none of that will be possible. With that said, as far as how to move forward, you should start by looking at your customers. Share with us just a little bit about how you work with your clients and what's the best way for someone to get in touch with you? Well, I'm a consultant and I work with them by, sometimes I'll go in and just do an audit of their current people, process, systems, strategies, if you will. Show them like how they stand versus, uh, you know, where, what their opportunities are. So that can be considered an audit or assessment. With that said, many times I'm going in to look at a specific topic. And that typically is going to be, how do we grow our business in a, in a way that provides a superior customer experience and uh, is more profitable and have more cash available, which basically means less inventory tying up cash. And so in that case, you know, I start with an assessment of where we currently stand and the opportunities that lie there. And then we, we, prioritize, you know, just a few, what's going to move us forward the quickest and not only the quickest, but the most impactful. So how do we do that? And there are sometimes some base items that have to put into place before you can even do the things that you'd really love to do. So what are those and what are we most equipped to do quickly to make some, you know, to have some quick wins so that we can actually move in the direction you want to go. So we figure out what that is, which generally speaking, no more than three priorities at one time. So we identify what are those three things, what order should we do them in, and who should be doing them. And then it depends, but we also uh, stick with clients to help them make that happen because we live based on referrals and repeat business and happy, happy clients. So really what that means is uh, oftentimes we're, helping to support them. And that could be providing, uh, an you know, just being there as an advisor and helping them, you know, uh, watch out for this pothole or that, uh, you know, don't go off that cliff over there. Or it could be hands-on uh, working side by side with their leaders to help them make this change happen and then showing them how to sustain it. And in some cases we have to jump in and do it for them to help them out of a jam, but We'd never do that without um, insisting that we help them carry forward afterwards. So that that's typically speaking the ways we help we work okay. with folks. We generally do it on a project basis. And did you ask me? You said and how, how do to people get, get a hold? You? Yeah, how do what's so, the best way for people to connect with you? So I'd say uh, take a look at our website, uh, which is www.lma-consultinggroup dot com. And you can also um, call 909-630-3943. 
Well, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Great. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, do me a favor. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow the network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either go to the website at manufacturers-network.com or share the podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow this network, the stronger and deeper community we will have. I appreciate you. Thank you. 